Hello, this is Pam December, and this is the Mad for Purple podcast, your place for all things spirituality, self-actualization, healing, and human design. Keep listening to receive wisdom, tips, and tools as we journey into higher consciousness together. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode from Mad for Purple. Before we dive into today's episode, I just want to let you know that you can head over to Spotify or YouTube to actually watch the slides and the reading of Canada's human design chart. There is a lot of visual information, so if that's a way that you would like to digest this episode, I highly recommend that you head over to either one of those platforms. So today is September 30th. It is the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation and Orange Shirt Day here in Canada. So this happens each year on this day. And originally this week, I thought I was going to be recording an episode on the United States Human Design Chart, looking ahead at current events and things like that. It was just obvious that this was more appropriate. So what we'll be doing is looking at the colonization of Canada through human design and its impacts to First Nations, Inuit, and Métis peoples. And I'd just like to add that if you'd like to show your support for Orange Shirt Day and for the Indigenous peoples in your community, What you can do is first learn which Indigenous communities steward the land that you live on. And you can do that by going to native-land.ca, so that's N-A-T-I-V-E-L-A-N-D.ca, to enter your place of residence, your place of work, see which Indigenous communities are traditionally in your area. And this website works across the globe. It's not just for Canada, even though it's a Canadian website. So if you're in the United States, this will work for you as well. Once you've learned which Indigenous communities are in your area, I encourage you to visit your local band office, friendship center, or community office to purchase an orange shirt. And by purchasing through one of these avenues, you're ensuring that the proceeds of those shirts are going directly to Indigenous communities in your area. So the human design portion of this episode is meant for entertainment purposes and as a means to bring awareness to the real-life lived experiences of the Indigenous peoples of Canada. This episode may be triggering for you if you are an Indigenous person, so please take care in listening. And for Canadian Indigenous peoples, mental health support is available to you at 1-855-242-3310 and for Canadian residential school student survivors at 1-866-925-4419. I personally live on the traditional territory of the Beaver First Nation, Dinanbe Nation, and Michif Pee Nation, all within Treaty 8 in British Columbia, Canada. If you'd like to learn more about 
their particular history, I have a page set up on my website with more information and links to source materials at madforpurple.com forward slash land dash acknowledgement. Uh, in there, there's a link to where happiness dwells. And this is an update that the Blueberry First Nation, who are part of the Beaver First Nation, where they've updated their website with this beautiful timeline and everything regarding a recent land settlement that was made with the province of British Columbia. So before we get into the history of Canada, I just want to preface this with I am not a historian. I'm not an expert in Canadian history, even though this is where I live. I grew up here and very much learned history in school, but that school curriculum, it was colonized curriculum and it lacked a lot of information, especially around residential school system. I'm thankful that this education is being brought to students now, and we're very much more aware of the impacts colonization has had on the Indigenous peoples of not only Canada, but across the empire of Great Britain. So the early descendants of Canada's Aboriginal peoples, they came across from East Asia into North America across the Bering Land Bridge when during the Ice Age, so there was no water in the Bering Strait, and they were able to come across. So this was sometime previous to 10,000 BC. From then until about 980, we see Indigenous populations grow across the country, across North America, and they diversify into hundreds and hundreds of distinct cultures, each with their own traditions, technologies, and governance. In 900 to 1000 AD, we had the Vikings arrive off the east coast of Newfoundland. Now they only created one settlement and I'm unsure exactly how long they stayed in Newfoundland, but they didn't grow from there. So along with Canadian history, world history, we have these global cycles that are operating in the background. If you've listened to the podcast, you've heard me talk about the cross of planning and the cross of the sleeping Phoenix 2027. And so in 1203 AD, we moved into the cross of consciousness. And at this time we were seven centered beings and we had been since approximately 70,000, 80,000 AD. Previous to that, we were five centered beings. So hopefully there's a lot of threads going on. I'm hoping that I tie it all together as we go and that it all makes sense in the, in the story of Canada and its peoples. So June 24th, 1497 is when John Cabot comes across as an explorer looking for East Asia, discovers Newfoundland and claims it for England. The next major milestone is in July 24th, 1534, when Jacques Cartier claims the Gaspe Peninsula for France. So we don't really see a lot of settlement in Canada until the early 1600s. 
So we see from 1604 to 1663, we have the French and the British, they're all establishing settlements. They're continuing to expand their territories, displacing many First Nations and Inuit people and exposing them to disease. So during this time, we move into a new global cycle, the cross of planning in 1615 AD. So with this shift, what we're going to see is this gradual decline in the empire of Britain and monarchies and how that type of system or structure of governing declines. In 1670, the Hudson's Bay Company is founded by King Charles II. Now they are granted a large amount of land in Canada and their main focus is on the fur trade. So with that, we have now First Nations interacting with Europeans in trade. And this is when the Métis nation starts to form. So we have European fur traders marrying Indigenous women, having children, and really living together in community over time, creating a distinct people and nation within Canada. French and British continue to settle and expand throughout Eastern and Atlantic Canada, and they start pushing more into the plains. So around 1730, we have horses arrive from Spanish settlements in the United States. Now, I wanted to make a note of this because this had an incredible impact on Indigenous peoples. It revolutionized the way that they hunted, the way that they moved from place to place. And we have this economy of the fur trade happening at the same time where everyone is encouraged to hunt. And this is where we start to see the decline in bison populations. On October 7th, 1763, Britain has established itself as the ruler of Canada. The, there's been a lot of wars. There's been a lot of skirmishes between the United States, between Canada, not Canada, because Canada wasn't formed yet, but with the, the French and the English all battling for territory. The English end up winning, I guess, is their winners in war. But with this, the King George III makes this royal proclamation and this thereby setting up the first constitutional structure and structure for treaty negotiations. And this also affected the French peoples that remained in Canada after France lost control of its interests here in Canada. In this royal proclamation, King George III makes it very clear that First Nations have land rights. One of the reasons this was put in place was so that First Nations people, Indigenous peoples, weren't allowed to sell land directly to individuals, that they were only allowed to sell land to the Crown or to Great Britain. And then Great Britain was in turn able to sell land to individuals. So this was put in place as a means of control uh, by Great Britain, but also I believe its intent was to secure land rights for First Nations people. So history carries on. First Nations, Inui, Métis people's lives continue to evolve and change. 
due to the impacts of European settlers. And this comes with the overharvesting of natural resources, especially when it came to the fur trade and animals, but also the impacts of disease since many of the viruses and things brought over from Europe, First Nations and Inuit people had never been exposed to before. So this amounted to a lot of suffering and death during this time. Now there are accounts of Europeans, sorry, I get a little emotional. Purposely. spreading disease through the products that they traded, such as blankets, taking blankets from places where smallpox had been an issue, and then trading it to other people, other indigenous peoples, with the intent that the disease would spread. breaks my heart. And that's just one example. So in this time, we also have the nine center mutation in 1781. So this is when we moved from being a seven-centered being to being a nine-centered being. And this allowed for greater awareness, especially emotionally. It allowed for differentiation from identity to self-worth and productivity. And, and just an ability for a greater expansion of individual consciousness. On July 1st, 1867, the Dominion of Canada is established and the Constitution of Canada takes effect. So this Constitution is still very much tied to British Empire, but it does give Canada some ways of governing itself. So it wasn't until August of 1871 where we actually see treaties start to be signed. So Treaty 1 and Treaty 2 were signed in Manitoba, and the assimilation of First Nations people escalated. And keeping in mind that this is all happening from a very seven-centered empirical conditioning of how things are meant to be and meant to run. And we'll see, see more of that when we get into Canada's human design chart. And then on April 12th, 1876, the Indian Act is passed by the Parliament of Canada, and this marks the founding of the system of Indian reservations. So of course, we have a lot more history between then and present day, but I feel like the the Indian Act really sets the stage for what we're learning about in the present 
when it comes to residential schools and just the, the total mistreatment of the First Nation, Inuit, and Métis peoples. So there were 140 federally run residential schools in Canada, and they operated between 1831 and 1996. Survivors advocated for recognition, reparation, and accountability for the intergenerational impacts of the harm that these schools caused, and a settlement was reached on May 8, 2006. From that, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission of Canada, or TRC, was created and ran from 2008 to 2015. Their final report contained 94 calls to action, including an inquiry into missing and murdered Aboriginal women. The National Inquiry into Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women, Girls, and 2SL LGBTQQIA+, was created and ran from 2015 to 2019. Their final report contained 231 calls for justice directed at governments, institutions, social service providers, industries, and all of Canadians. The National Action Plan, or NAP, was developed and released in June 2021. But to date, little progress has been made as NAP includes goals, but not implementation. The implementation is meant to fall to an independent national committee, which, to the best of my knowledge, at the time of this recording, has not yet been formed. Every child matters. As of May 2022, the National Center for Truth and Reconciliation's Memorial Register contained 4,130 names of children who died at residential schools. Children taken from their homes and who didn't get to come home. So these are some of the sources that I used to create the timeline. And so if you're interested in reading up on more of any of those, there's deep, deep wells of, of information that can be found here. If you're in Canada and you're on ceded territory and you know which treaty number that you reside within, you can go to the Canadian Encyclopedia numbered treaties page and uh, get more information on it there. Also, of course, if you can find your band office or First Nations websites, there'll be information there as well. And lastly, I have the links to the actual reports because although we are making progress it is slow and there seems to be a lot more lip service than there is action unfortunately so it's up to us as individuals as Canadians to make sure that the impacts to First Nations, Inuit, and Métis peoples is not forgotten, and that we continue to do our own internal work around colonization 
and heal because by healing ourselves, we help heal the world. Now what we'll do is we will pop into genetic matrix here and have a look at Canada's human design chart. Now this might not be something that you're familiar with, but any entity, whether it's a country or a business, you can pull a chart for it and get an idea of the archetypes that are associated with the energies of that day when that entity was created. So Canada was formed July 1st, 1867. As far as the time, the way that the legalities of Canada works is that any agreement comes into effect at midnight of that day. So that's the time that we used here. And yeah, we'll just start heading through it. So you can see Canada is only 155 years old. It is an emotional manifesting generator because of the connection from the sacral to the emotional solar plexus, the emotional solar plexus to the throat. So having an emotional inner authority means taking time with decisions, time for clarity to evolve <laughs> itself out of the emotional wave. You could see this represented in the way that Canada is structured. We have a parliament, a house of commons, and a senate. So when laws and things are put into place, they have to run through all of these systems before being approved. So it really allows for that time for clarity. And what you'll see too is Canada has this gate 52. It's not only the personality sun, but it is also personality and design Uranus. So this is a major theme and lesson for Canada around stillness. And because this is also a format energy, because it's one of the gates between the root and the sacral, it has an impact on the entire chart. And going down, we can see that Canada is a 6-2 role model. So traditionally, the role model has the three distinct phases in its life, the 0 to 30, the 30 to 50, and the 50 plus. I don't feel like a country is mature at 50 years old. So I've taken some liberty in using Pluto as the planet to help us establish this three-phase timeline for Canada. So Pluto's orbit is approximately 248 years. So that divided by three, we're looking at 82.6 years per stage. So that means that Canada moved onto the roof. So we have the, the third line experimenting phase, the second phase of being on the roof, and then the third phase of coming off the roof and actually embodying the role model. So it was about 1950 that Canada moved onto the roof. So during this as well, uh, when we moved onto the roof, it was a second line global frequency. So it very much would have felt a resonance to the times. But now, since about 1967, we've been in a first line frequency. And so it's not really like Canada's time. <laughs> uh, and it's been more of this investigation and transparency and healing, which I feel really lines up with this on the roof stage. 
with the two being a hermit, there's a projection field around this as well and not being able to see one's gifts and needing to be called out before getting involved. So if you're familiar with uh, Canada and maybe Canadian culture, we tend to be known as fairly passive. With that to the transference of the 6-2 is the 3-5, uh, which is the martyr heretic. So again, we're looking at projection and I really feel like this comes around to Canadians being known as nice, how we always say it, our, we're sorry. And I would say, yeah, in general, we are nice, but we have some pretty nasty skeletons in the closet that thanks to this first line resonance underlying global cycle within the cross of planning that we're able to actually investigate those, those skeletons in the closet and have some more transparency and, and healing for the nation uh, during this time. So Canada is single definition. So that would say that we don't need anybody else to access our defined energies, which that may be so, but if you look at the design sun and earth and the personality sun and earth, you'll see that they are all in undefined centers. So Canada actually needs other countries to be able to fully express their incarnation cross. With the single definition and not needing others, I think that really speaks to this journey of sovereignty that we've been on since 1867 and how we've progressively moved away from Great Britain and the crown. So in 1931, there was an amendment to the constitution that allowed Canada to actually make its own laws. Before that, they we could make the laws, but the final say and like proclamation would be done by Great Britain. In 1982, there was another constitutional amendment and that granted us full independence. Although now oh, it was Queen Elizabeth till recently. So I might say the queen a few times if I do, apologies. King Charles III does remain our head of state and for him to be removed there would need to be another amendment to the constitution but this was all would also have major impacts to the treaties that have been signed because they are signed with the what well, was with the queen but obviously those transferred to the king so what would happen to those treaty agreements if canada removed the monarchy from being the head of state uh, that would definitely be something that would need to be done in full consultation and in integrity and in the best spirit of healing and reconciliation. So with touching back to the incarnation cross gates all being in undefined centers, it really speaks to Canada being involved with free trade agreements, with like the WHO, with the Paris Accord, with G7. Canada is very involved globally and it just makes sense with this is the way that the incarnation cross can be fully expressed. So touching on the incarnation cross, so it's the left angle cross of demands one. So this falls in the quarter of civilization and its purpose filled through form. Also, you could say building and manifesting. So actually bringing things into our 3D reality. This is very material and its focus is on the advancement of skills, collection of materials, 
and building of territory. So looking at the incarnation cross from the six to three phases. So in that third line phase, we were very much coming into existence through England's conditioning. Now England was building an empire and they were claiming land all over the place. And they had a specific way of treating the indigenous peoples of those lands. And so it was something that Canada took on as well and continued. And so we'll see a lot of not self themes coming in here in this first third line phase, we'll say up to about 1950. So we have England's conditioning, the trajectory we're on, so our trajectory here is theist to anti-theist. So you can see very much that third line phase being theist because we're loyal to Great Britain, this Protestant king and all the conditioning and whatnot that comes along with religion and state. And so in this third line phase, we have this undefined will center. So this trying to prove itself at being a new nation, the undefined G is searching for direction. The undefined head in Ajna is constantly questioning itself and it's full of doubt and confusion. The undefined root. So there's this pressure to be free as well, which really lends to the narrative of theist to anti-theist and this journey of sovereignty. The undefined spleen. It doesn't know when to let go of things. And it doesn't necessarily know what to let go of. So this continuing, this carrying, this conditioning of European, Great Britain uh, values and standards and systems, oppressive systems, right? So with the left angle cross, the demands, the world and Great Britain are demanding that Canada follows the established pattern. And when in transference, this can be internalized because they just have this inability to comply. So you have this tension within the system of complying to this collective pattern, this world pattern of how things are supposed to operate, but also knowing that there's a better way. So it's saying yes to the pattern. But because it's a third line, it's not doing it quote unquote correctly because it's doing the trial and error of finding its own way. And along with the world demands, we also have the country demanding of everyone within its boundaries to follow the pattern. And it will use coercion, it, threats of jail, threats of death to make sure that people comply. So if you reflect on that with indigenous populations and this assimilation that was imposed on them, this genocide that was imposed on them was part of this left angle cross of demands. And then what we have is we have gate 53 in unconscious Mars. So this is core wound. There's also a format channel or format gate. So again, affecting the entire chart. So this immature energy and it's amplifying because it's part of the same circuitry as this 35, 36, this emotional energy. So it's amplifying 
this need for development and progress and new beginnings, but through the trial and error process of the third line phase, not having necessarily the discernment of what are the correct beginnings to start a new cycle. So then around 1950 or so, we move to the on the roof phase. So this is just after World War II and Canada was a, a major player under Great Britain in the liberation of Europe. So this on the roof phase of the left ankle cross of demands is about becoming a master of hypocrisy. So on the outside, Canada's agreeing to this global narrative, this global pattern, but they aren't necessarily complying. So outside saying yes, but inside saying no. And yet Canada's trying to tell everyone else to also follow the pattern. But because the pattern is part of the logic circuitry and the only energy Canada has in the throat for logic is this gate 31 and it's not attached to any motors it has a hard time actually articulating what the pattern is so that everybody can comply so it's more likely that this narrative of the global pattern will be expressed through relationships with others so going back to the pandemic you see like the world health organization creating recommendations and things of that nature. Canada, in turn, creating mandates around that information versus what this scientific community was coming out with as it evolved, right? Because science is a process as the theories are made and proved or disproved and as the data is collected, right? And we're still, we agree with my breakdown of the three phases of a country, then we are still in this on the roof phase within a first line global frequency. So there's this, the sixth and the second line not completely fitting in. So there's this uncertainty and ungrounding that, that kind of comes with that, where when a country is out of integrity, it's looking outward at what the other countries are doing versus relying on its own knowing and its own people's values. So one of the things about this on the roof phase is it's really a time for healing. We see how Canada has further tried to become independent during this time from the crown. And we've also seen, especially through this first line, bringing light to the atrocities of Indigenous peoples. And being able to, as having a motorized throat, being able to empower other people's voices. So something that we've seen through these inquiries and in that is this opportunity for First Nations, Métis, and Inuit peoples to express their lived experiences, their trauma, their pain. So this is a huge opportunity for the country as a whole to heal as long as Canada can stay in integrity. And through this phase, we're seeing a, a maturation of this gate 53 and of this 36, 35 channel transitoriness, because part of this channel is design and part of this channel is personality. They didn't go through the third line phase necessarily feeling like they have the powerful voice that they do. So Canada finding its voice 
also amplifying the voices of the First Nations people, the Aboriginal Indigenous peoples of Canada in the spirit of healing as we're on the roof. In 2027, we moved from the cross of planning into the cross of the sleeping Phoenix. In 2032, Canada moves off the roof and will also have, because it's a sixth line, will have a six line resonance to the global cycle. Because when we move into the cross of the sleeping Phoenix, it will be in this six line resonance. There will also be a third line resonance there as well, because the three and the six are so closely related. So keeping that in mind, going into this new global cycle, we're coming, Canada's coming off the roof to step into this role model. And when it comes off the roof, what that left angle cross of demands is going to demand is whatever the collective pattern is at that time. So we won't know exactly what that pattern looks like, obviously, because this is, this is a 10 years, yeah, 10 years in the future, but also with that shift in global cycles and the end of the cross of planning, we don't know what impacts that will have on government because government was part of what the cross of planning helped establish and support. So Canada won't have the same global support as it did. So what will the collective pattern be at that time? Maybe it will be a complete restructure of how governments are run. But when that role model steps off the roof, it will embody that collective pattern. There'll no longer be any hypocrisy and it will really like step into that leadership and take control of that leadership through the gate 21, which is Canada's design sun, but it is also the personality and design Neptune. So this is a major theme for Canada. Also coming off the roof, stepping into that anti-theist trajectory. So a real delineation between religion and state, and I believe the monarchy and state. So when the 6-2 is not in integrity, it will operate more like a 3-5. So in that 3-5 transference, it doesn't want to be seen as a failure. So again, looking outside of itself rather than stepping into integrity and its own power, relying on that outside view and trying to really create collective patterns that are self-protective. So one of the examples of that is creating insurances. So whether that's actual like insurance companies or like we saw in the trucker protests, the War Times Measures Act was enacted. Or I think it was the Emergencies Act now, it used to be the Wartime Measures Act, was enacted in order to halt protests of Canadians and the seizure of bank accounts. So when that act was enacted, there were other measures that the government of Canada put in place to protect itself. So I think that's one of the things to 
understand about this being out of integrity energy for a country is that it will put these insurances in place. So some of the things that they enacted during that time are still in place. So example is around the closing down of bank accounts. That's something that the government of Canada still has the power to do. And it's created insurances that it will have an easier time of doing that in the future should other events take place where they feel that it's necessary. And it's really about protecting the system and protecting the government, not about people. So in this transference again, it'll look for ways to fund a pattern to self-sustain rather than infusing that money back into services for Canadians. And Canada has some social responsibilities built into its systems. So instead of funding those services, so we're looking at healthcare, education, law enforcement, just to name a few, instead of infusing money into those services, which would be a greater service to the Canadian people, using those funds to self-sustain itself. So Canada's strategy is to respond. It's obviously with that emotional authority has to do with waiting to gain clarity. I would say that Canada mostly responds, but oftentimes are responding out of integrity still because they're acting out of that 3-5 transference versus the 6-2 on the roof um, stage that we're in now. The themes that Canada and the Canadian government would experience are satisfaction, frustration, and even anger. And the anger, I think we've seen more of recently, but there, if you look back at some of the history stuff, you can see where, say, like John A. Macdonald was probably acting out of anger towards First Nations people. And when it, in regards to like assimilating the population, we have the 59.6 channel of mating. So this is part of the defense circuit. This is tribal circuitry. Now, when I talk about tribal, Canada was birthed under white European rule. So the tribe in this case has very much been white people. Hopefully through this on the roof phase and all the healing and the empowerment of indigenous voices, we can see that Canada as a whole becomes a tribe instead of being white centered. Part of this channel is about focusing on reproduction, but it's also about the ability to break down barriers. So creating that intimacy and safety in order for there to be vulnerability and changing minds and changing hearts. We have the 3635 channel of transitoriness. So again, that maturation of the emotional solar plexus, riding the wave, waiting for clarity, acting from integrity versus looking outside of oneself and using that powerful voice to, to lift others. So this is a collective abstract circuitry. So again, the pattern does not live here. This is purely experiential. So it's kind of a jack of all trades. 
I think that kind of speaks to Canada's like our identity is more around symbols and abstract things than it is about uh, I would say patterns or logic and with that maturation again if we come back to gate 53 the unconscious Mars amplifying developing and progress of new beginnings for the experience but the correct ones because we're responding from integrity versus uh, what other people might be demanding of us really yeah being in integrity and living the demands of that collective pattern we look at the nodes so we have the south nodes in 63 and 36 so moving from doubt and crisis and being surrounded by and being doubtful and and in crisis which I think really speaks to like all the war and uh, the huge impact that Europeans had on Indigenous life at the beginning. And then moving into the North Node of the Gate 64 and Gate 6. So moving into confusion, possibly moving into confusion and conflict and being surrounded by it. So the idea is to be surrounded in confusion and conflict, but not being the confusion and conflict. So there's what's interesting about the North and South nodes is, is this, the South node being where we come from. So there's a good chance that we were actually being this energy of the South node where moving into the North node, it's like all these energies are surrounding you, but you're not acting from them because you're acting from your strategy and authority right some of the other things that we see in the chart so i just mentioned that canada is a somewhat socialist country our tax dollars go to the government and then they distribute it to social programs so we look we have the gate 49 and the gate 37 this is about tribal agreements uh, which includes resources and bringing resources in and then going into the will center in this gate 21 is controlling those resources. And it feels like when out of integrity, it can be about controlling the population as well. We can see this like in the Indian Act it is very much about controlling First Nation and Inuit peoples. And then because this is like, is such a major theme being that it's in the design sun and the design and personality Neptune really coming into that higher frequency of the gate 21 instead of controlling perhaps when Canada comes off the roof it will be more about regulation of those resources in a helpful sustainable way that will benefit all of Canada and Canada is a very generous country. So being able to share the, share the wealth really in supporting developing countries. We see democracy in this gate 31. We can see the story around independence in the gate 43, the gate one and the gate two, because these are all expressing individuality. 
and the gate 21, it doesn't want to be controlled. It wants to be the one controlling. It wants to be the one demanding. It does not want to be on the other end of that. We have capitalism very much in built into the incarnation cross and also into the three, five transference where it's about building things. And then with those things being able to be self-sustaining uh, with the undefined Ajna, you have this inconsistent ability to conceptualize. So along the lines of like, we're supposed to be building all of these things, these products, these services, what you see Canada does, we ship a lot of just raw materials out of the country. We, we don't do a lot of manufacturing here. Uh, a lot of our manufactured goods are actually imported. So that's the, the connection that I've made there. <laughs> Uh, Canada is known as being multicultural, and that really comes with this undefined G-Center. Not having a defined identity leaves space for other cultures, and hopefully through this on-the-roof phase of healing, all of those cultures are, are given an equal voice. And then we have gate 15, the gate of extremes. We look at that in Canada's climate. We look at that, like how vast and biodiverse this country is. And that really speaks to the extremes. I had to giggle when I was looking at the determination is cold. Canada is known to be cold, right? We have long winters and yeah, it was just like, oh, of course it's cold. So that, that was interesting. And then the motivation of hope. Like how beautiful is that? If you know anybody with hope motivation, just the energy that they hold. And you think about everybody that's that's come to Canada to make it their home. They had, they would have had hope for a better future. And you see that even with people that are immigrating here from Ukraine, things like places where there is war because Canada is that symbol of hope. I wanted to do was just pop into connection chart here with the United States because the United States is a major influence on Canada and our closest neighbor, right? So what's interesting about looking at this is where our electromagnetics meet, where there's compromise. So in the 2551, Canada has the gate 25, the U.S. has the gate 51. So the U.S. initiating Canada into individualism and combined having this willpower and it also the U.S. helps Canada define its identity for good or bad <laughs> uh, the 47 64 so Canada has the 64 and then the U.S. has the 47 together they bring inspiration to each other and the ability to conceptualize which I thought was really cool uh, we have the 2145, so Canada has the 21, and the U.S. has the 45. Now, this means that Canada is, like, controlling resources, but the U.S. having a say in the distribution of those resources. And we see this very much in, like, free trade agreements. It seems that Canada gets the shorter end of the stick when it comes to how those resources are distributed, and this explains why. So and then where we have compromise is where one country has a gate and the other country has the full channel so the u.s compromises canada's depth of the gate 48 
that it's leadership in the gate 31 because the US has the full channel of the alpha. And there's an impact on Canada's recognition as well because of this uh, 4130 channel that the US has where Canada only has the gate 30. Uh, because Canada has the 3536 channel, which is part of the same circuitry. So when it comes to recognition and the experiences that are in this abstract circuitry, Canada has the ability to voice what that final experience was. And I think that's part of Canada finding its own voice. We've saw more conflict with the, the U.S. and Canada in the last few years than I think we've seen since all the wars in the 1800s, which I feel speaks to Canada's maturation in standing in its voice and using it. And then Canada compromises the U.S. when it comes to intimacy and with the transitoriness. So what I thought was interesting when it comes to um, transitoriness is that Canada is between Alaska and the lower 48 states, right? So this idea of traveling and journeying, like anybody who wants to go to Alaska by land has to travel through Canada. <laughs> you can make all kinds of connections, right? And lastly, because the States has this 2057, Canada gets to experience individual knowing because the rest of the individual circuitry that Canada has is not connected. So, and this is like knowing in the now and being able to express that. So this is where in relationship with the United States, having to be in integrity to make sure that that voice that they are amplifying is actually correct for Canada to be amplifying. And I think this will be especially important after like post 2027, when we move into the cross of the sleeping Phoenix, because part of that background frequency is going to be the 2034. So adding a lot of power to that individual voice. So in these new beginnings, starting new cycles, doing it from a place of integrity so that what is being voiced, whether it's through individual knowing or through the collective abstract, make sure that it's in integrity with Canada's values. And I think part of this on the roof phase is really about defining those values and differentiating again as a sovereign country. I think the last thing I wanted to just reiterate about uh, projection in this, Canada has a lot of fifth line energy, also has an underlying two. So this whole, the Canadians are all nice. We're all laid back. We're always sorry. The sorries, a lot of the time are lip service. And I think it's been good for information about residential schools, about the unmarked graves that are being discovered at residential schools, that all of these things are coming out because Canada might be nice, Canadians might be nice, but we have our own healing to do. And Canada as a country has caused a lot of harm within its borders. So 
National Day of Truth and Reconciliation is one step. It's maybe the first step. And when we're looking at that gate 53 and new beginnings, but allowing there to be that vulnerability, that intimacy and maturation of the voice and amplifying Indigenous people's voices because being seen and being heard, holding space for that can be incredibly healing. And there are, we're looking at hundreds of years of healing that needs to happen. This is important. On that note, I just want to thank you so much for joining me for this week's show. If I've missed some connections or you've seen other ways of reading entity charts, I'd be happy to, to hear about it, to learn about it. As a first line, I'm always learning. And if I misrepresented something and you're an Indigenous person, and um, if I got anything wrong, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. I'm learning. And at the same time, I'm trying to educate others and amplify your voice. And I want to do that as correctly as possible. If you'd like to hear more from me, be sure to join my weekly newsletter or our community Facebook group. So links for those along with all the other <laughs> things that we've touched on today, sources and, and things like that, they'll all be in the episode description. And if I miss a link or something like that, please let me know. There is just a lot to unpack here. And I really hope that I've connected all the dots and that you found this information informative and healing. So before you leave, uh, please don't forget to click the follow button on your podcast listening app, or if you're on YouTube, to hit that subscribe button. And that way you won't miss an episode. So thank you again so much for being here. I love you all, and I will see you in the next episode.